and welcome to our Survivor Perspectives podcast and recording where we will discuss um, the resources and their responses to the barriers that may be faced by the different identities across perspectives. So overview of module, this is the format section of the module where we gather information and answers from respective resources that can personify survivors' experiences navigating these resources. Again, the identities that we covered um, is not exhaustive, but where we started, where we looked at military service, religion, gender, age, sexual orientation, race, ability, and incarceration. So a few of the questions that we asked these resources, one, how are you working to make your resources intentionally inclusive and intersectional? And also we asked, are there challenges survivors of sexual assault face when using your resources as a result of their identity? So breaking it down across the resources, um, we looked at on-campus, local, and national resources. Under on-campus, we looked at Title IX, Office of Advocacy and Success, CAPS, CU Cares, Healthy Campus, CUPD, Victim Assistance. Under local, local resources, we looked at Pickens County Advocacy Center, Foothills Sexual Trauma Center, Mary's House, Safe Harbor, South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. And under national organizations, um, resources that we looked at were RAIN, Know, know Your Nine, End Rape on Campus, Safe Horizon, National Sexual Violence Resource Center, National Coalition Against Sexual Violence, and National Center for Victims of Crime. All right, so beginning the responses from resources on campus. So first, Title IX and the Interpersonal Violence Offices. So they said that they tried to engage groups from the Gantt Multicultural Center colleagues who identify and question how they are thinking about inclusivity in meeting spaces where they occupy. When planning events, they ask the group helping to plan how they are thinking about presenting, how they can lift up voices that are silent or helping them know specific resources that may be more welcoming to a particular group identity. They also have intentionality in including information on how to support various communities in training and recognizing the problems students have when accessing resources as a result of their identity. And to continue on with their response, they also said on campus resources are all over the map physically and each one processes student needs entirely different. This can make someone who is already feeling ashamed about coming forward feel like they don't matter or that they are a burden. They also very seldomly, if ever, have very deep, meaningful conversations or training as staff on campus about how we are actively engaging in intersectionality in our support structures. While recognizing some of their faults, they don't think everyone does, which can make addressing them challenging. The local resources Clemson uses cannot be held accountable when they are not inclusive. When resources aren't more streamlined, it only further exacerbates the problem for minoritized communities who are already unsure of how a resources would respond. And now for the CAPS response. So CAPS aims to be inclusive of all people. On the CAPS main website, they have made a statement against racial just injustice and healthcare disparities. They hope that this message is read by students so that they can feel welcome to access services from them. All the staff at CAPS are engaged in multicultural and diversity trainings bi-weekly to ensure we act with cultural humility and that they are inclusive in their approach with students. 
Seeking services for survivors can be a very intimidating process for anyone, especially students from minoritized populations. These students may face challenges of fearing stigma, judgment, believing counseling isn't for them or their culture may not believe in mental health. They may want to seek other support prior to trying counseling and they respect their wishes. However, once a student has initiated services with CAPS, they do their very best to be culturally humble and help them in any way they can. In their resources and efforts to be inclusive and intersectional when working with students, they aim to reduce barriers for students wanting to seek their services. If there are specific needs that a student has, they want to try to accommodate them in any way that they can. And now for the CU CARES response. So CU CARES team that primi primarily serves trauma survivors is a diverse team of clinicians that work hard to serve all students. In their training, they ensure to address the intersections that students come with and how all aspects of their identities can, affect, can be affected by trauma. When they meet with students for services, they ask for preferences when matching them with a counselor and always do their best to honor these requests. On their CU CARES team, they strive to treat each survivor as a unique individual with unique needs. They personalize their approach to each student to ensure their therapeutic needs are being met and their goals are personal to them. They take non-judgmental approaches to working with their students, especially their survivors, to help them feel welcome and wanted there. And now for Healthy Campus. They provide the content in a variety of forms, face-to-face -face or via Zoom, education, print materials, and online resources and social media. They hope that they can effectively reach survivors by using a variety of methods. They also provide educational outreach to students at the population level through programs like Aspire to Be Well, educational programs by request, and through public health marketing and social media. They strive to design materials and content that are relevant to their population. Then for the responses from the local community resources, we're going to start with the Pickens County Advocacy Center, and they have been very active in their education programs in the schools, speaking out about racial issues, stereotypes, and prejudice. They've also provided education to the community members during a SART team meeting team, which is sexual assault response team, on centering and supporting African American women experiences with interpersonal violence, and then they have done a decent amount. Um, but they say they have a lot more work to do. Um, and this person said that they feel it all depends on the knowledge of their agency and that they provide resources and services to everyone, no matter what their racial, sexual, religious identity or identities may be. And then continuing on, their new website was designed to be more ADA accessible and they consulted with ABLE SC to ensure that they had the necessary components um, the Pickens County Advocacy Center also has a contract with a translation service so that when they have a client that does not speak English or has limited English speaking abilities, they can still offer crisis intervention, advocacy, and counseling services to them. Um, they also bring in agencies for their SART meetings to train them and their community members on how to better serve clients that have physical and cognitive disabilities and also how their culture can be much different than um, they're in reporting sexual assault and receiving help. Um, and they also have provided education programs for Clemson Life and the clients at the Pickens Board of Disabilities and Special Needs. And then for the response from the Foothills Sexual Trauma Center, um, this is a response from Chelsea Hucker. And she said, um, this is such an incredible project. Survivors at Clemson are lucky to have your group to look out for them. And, and she said that she became the executive director at Foothills in January, 2020. 
Since then, she's made it a priority to be sure that all survivors feel that their services are safe and accessible. So some steps that they've taken include altering the intake paperwork to reflect a broader range of races and gender identities, um, actively seeking more diverse board members to more accurately represent the population that they serve, educating um, their staff on biases, including implicit and explicit, and how that might affect their services. And they've also hired a chaplain who specializes in and understands all religions and spiritual beliefs or lack thereof, and can educate the staff on the toll spiritual beliefs and take on the survivors, particularly in the LGBTQ plus and BIPOC communities, since we know that statistically speaking, those individuals are more likely to be victims of interpersonal violence and that those assaults have a higher probability of resulting in the death of the victim. And then for Safe Harbor, so Safe Harbor is focused on addressing the barriers people face when accessing and finding their services. So as a result, they have broadened the communities they, they reach out to. They have also held listening sessions in communities where they saw the lowest number of people using their resources, and this helps to better cater to their specific community. Um, another notable barrier is the language barrier. So after reaching out to different communities, they've had many individuals ask for their services that are not English speaking, primarily Spanish speaking individuals. Um, Safe Harbor does have a few staff members that are bilingual staff. However, since it is limited, Sometimes a phone interpretation service is needed. And then due to COVID, most services are offered that are offered over the phone. Um, it makes it challenging for hard of hearing and deaf individuals. And Safe Harbor is currently working on incorporating video and chat services to bridge this gap. And then we only got a response from one of the national resources we reached out to, which is from National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Um, their response was that they make their resources available to all via their website um, and that they are not aware of the challenges survivors face when using their resources as a result of their identity. So that was a pretty disappointing response, but we felt it was important to include to um, basically say that like sadly this is something that still happens and this is why we're making this presentation. So a few concluding thoughts on the resources available for people across all identities and intersectionalities. Um, from an on-campus and local perspective, there may be more, they may be more prepared to respond to people across different identities. Um, they may have more outreach in the local area to figure out what um, the people in their area may need. And it seems like when looking through and reaching out to all these local and on-campus organizations, um, they're more focused on educational resources, and that may be why they are more able to um, address issues and barriers for people across identities. And on the national level, um, it seems like there was a there was it was less attentive, a less attentive. Um, there was a low response rate, um, and the one, of course, that we did get was discouraging um, a response to, to response to the questions that we asked. Um, and it seems like they were unaware of how identities seek resources differently. Um, and it seemed like they were not as likely to respond to the needs of all people, um, but it was more so more information on immediate help, um, such as through um, crisis helplines and things like that. So we hope that these responses from the questions that we asked will help whoever is facing any kind of barrier or perceived barrier um, in whatever they need to do to be able to seek those resources effectively. Um, if you have any questions regarding the content, um, please reach out to us in the module.
Um, we hope this helps everybody be able to seek resources. And um, thank you for listening to our podcast and watching our presentation.